Stanford University. You're listening to a podcast from Stanford University's Center on Poverty and Inequality. I'm Diantha Parker. Today on the podcast, recessions seem to affect people's views on politics or the economy most when they themselves are struggling. But it's not clear changes in their opinions persist once prosperity returns. Take the Occupy Wall Street movement. And before we talk about building a really, really strong nation, let's take a real good look in. Since 2011, it's been a living example of the recession's potential effects on public opinion. Last September, Zuccotti Park in Lower Manhattan was still absorbing new occupiers. I just graduated from high school, and he just quit his job, so we're about to have to get new jobs. And we did, and then this started, and we decided instead of getting jobs, we should just sell all our stuff and hitchhike to Occupy Wall Street. And uh, <laughs> it's super awesome. I'm super glad we did. This woman and her boyfriend were dwarfed by their giant backpacks. They'd just walked into the park, so this was a first impression. But they'd had three weeks of hitchhiking to think about why they were coming. Obviously, we're all pretty upset about the way money and, I mean, I'm mostly pissed off about uh, corporate personhood and that corporations get to just decide everything and buy our leaders. Occupy Wall Street was also a corporation of sorts. A group of volunteers called the New York General Assembly welcomed and acclimated occupiers. One volunteer felt the movement's origins harkened back to 2008 and Barack Obama's presidential campaign. We elected him, or to some degree we elected him, and then we were like kind of waiting for something to change and nothing happened. And so that sort of sentiment that I think got him into office kind of like went underground for a little while and then has now resurfaced as this movement. Many Occupy Wall Street settlements dwindled during the fall and winter due to police intervention as well as the climate. But in anticipation of warmer weather, the New York General Assembly is holding so-called spring training to help prepare people for another season of occupying. How long their drive will last is of interest to Lane Kenworthy, a sociologist and political scientist at the University of Arizona. His work with the Center on Poverty and Inequality focuses on whether recessions have long-lasting effects on public opinion, a question that's critical to understanding whether the sentiment behind the Occupy movement might persist. He's found that people's memories can be either very short or very long. They may be looking around to blame someone. Um, Sometimes that's companies, sometimes it's banks uh, and other financial institutions. Uh, Sometimes it's the government, sometimes maybe it's all three. But then when the economy gets better again, uh, it's almost as if all is forgiven. They may not like what Congress is doing at that particular moment. They may not be extraordinarily happy about uh, the the sort of general perception about what what big companies are doing. You know, maybe they have a bad experience on an airline or at a, a retail store with their life insurance company or something along those lines. In the aggregate, you'll see the level of dissatisfaction with these kinds of institutions and, and actors uh, go back to where they were before the, the economic downturn. Kenworthy, along with the Stanford Center's Lindsay Owens, based his research on public opinion polls dating from the early 1970s to today. The polls cover five separate recessions. He says the periods of prosperity that followed each of them seem to have softened their effect on long-term public opinion. Only one group of people held on to their opinions even after the economy bounced back. They were young, between the ages of 18 to 23 or so, 
the demographic of many of the Occupy protesters. They're thinking about politics and government policy, for example, for the first, in a serious way for the first time in their life. And they're also either in the middle of finding a job or maybe uh, looking to get out of the first job that they stumbled into, or at least thinking ahead about what their career is going to be like. Kenworthy's data doesn't go back as far as the Great Depression. But he says voting patterns show that people who came of age then were much more likely to become lifelong Democrats than people who came of age later in the century. He says of the five modern recessions he looked at, only one seems to have shaped public opinion as much as the Depression did. And that's the downturn that began in the mid-1970s and flowed into the so-called double-dip recessions of the early 1980s. Where it looks, um, we don't have proof positive of a causal link, but it looks very much as though these contributed to a move away from liberal attitudes toward more conservative political attitudes, uh, and even more so, even more striking in the data, a decline in identification with the Democratic Party and a rise in identification with the Republican Party. This might be because things began to improve quite a bit after the recessions in the early 80s, and people began to cheer up again, a huge benefit to Ronald Reagan and the conservative movement. Kenworthy says early to mid-80s public opinion polls suggest Reagan's apparent success in winning over public opinion has only one predecessor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the policies of his New Deal. It's thought of as as a very significant moment when a new line, a a new approach, a new philosophy about what's the best way to to govern a modern economy and and a modern society took hold and worked really well for that party. And that's partly because Franklin Roosevelt continued to get reelected. So the key question is whether the recent Great Recession will be another watershed moment in how Americans view the economy. And current public opinion polls tell us a bit about that. In February of 2012, Two-thirds of Americans polled by the Pew Research Center said they saw strong conflict between rich and poor. Usually, only half the country feels that way, says Pew Vice President Paul Taylor. He thinks Occupy Wall Street may have helped crystallize this. The protest was much in the news in the fall of 2011, when Pew was also polling on whether corporations and the wealthy had too much power. Paul Taylor says about 60 percent of people always think they do. But the share who say yes, the most recent time we asked it had spiked to 77%. And we know this from other survey data about when we ask questions about the the Wall Street rescue or the Wall Street bailout, and when that was happening back in, uh, I guess, 08 and 09, the public just wasn't didn't like it. It didn't like the fact that those on Wall Street were continuing to get their bonuses while the public, you know, in their in in the public's view, while the public was bailing them out. Uh, so there's no question that there is uh, that there's a lot of grievance uh, directed toward the very wealthy and the large banks and corporations. Here, Taylor quotes an old saw: Americans don't hate the rich; they want to be rich. They like the free enterprise system when it works. Where it gets more complicated is if they think the the game is rigged in some way. Uh, that there's a fairness question. Uh, here are a couple of questions we, we have asked over the years. Uh, do you think in this country the rich just keep getting richer and the poor just keep getting poorer? Seventy, eighty percent of the people, again, in almost any economic circumstance, say yes. Uh, but they, they don't necessarily believe that that's a problem that needs to be addressed with public policy. This brings us back to people's continued unhappiness with the government's efforts to right the economy. Like Lane Kenworthy, 
Paul Taylor says we can't know what effect any of this will have on public opinion until decades from now. But the Great Recession and attempts to rectify it have made big waves, possibly large enough to mark a younger generation as strongly as the Depression and New Deal did. You've been listening to a podcast from Stanford Center on Poverty and Inequality. Our funding comes from the Elfenworks Foundation. Our music is by Pharos. The editor of this podcast series is Christopher Weimer, and I'm Diantha Parker. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again next time. For more, please visit us at stanford.edu.